Hello friends, um, let me just jump right in and say thank you with your patience for the launch of this first episode. It's been a long time coming. And um, also, I want to introduce myself for anyone who's just coming across this and wants to know more about me and what this podcast is all about. My name is Lisa, and I am the host of this podcast. It is basically um, a podcast that I'm starting in the hopes of bringing people closer together and um, just adding more positivity out there into the world. My goal for this podcast is to um, bring curious minds together, hopefully create a little bit more empathy by sharing views or perspectives, um, some opinions and stories from a variety of people, a variety of subjects and topics, uh, some of which you might agree with or disagree with, but ultimately um, discovering that it's okay. And also just opening up opportunity for everyone to come together with open minds and hearts and share each and every point of view that wishes to be shared on the subjects presented. Uh, At the end of each episode, I will be sharing contact information for you to reach out, comment, ask questions of me or the guest, or you can even let me know if you have a different point of view on the topic discussed and maybe I will interview you and share your story. Um, anyway, without further ado, this episode is actually perfect to start this whole podcast out with. So I'm really grateful that my cousin, actually, Michael Kest was able to come on the show with me today and talk with me about, um, in this particular case, social media and the differences in how we communicate and sharing his point of view on social media the journey to civil discussions, and his ideas on how to be more empathetic and build better conversations. It aligns so perfectly. Um, It just happens to be so on trend with my brand. (laughs) Just kidding, but um, it does really start things off nicely. So anyway, let's get to it. All right, so thank you so much for doing this, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell the listeners who you are and basically what qualifies you to be a human with this opinion? Um, well, I don't know what qualifies me to be a human with this opinion, or, or maybe that is it because I guess just you know everybody's got their own opinions. But mm-hmm. um, I am Michael Kest. I... Uh, kind of well i guess i could say my life has been kind of all over the place which is in a good way not in a bad way like i started out you know high school and everything here in orlando and then went to college at fsu basically just so i could play football there because fsu is clearly the best football team (laughs) debatable yeah well eh. anyway (laughs) (laughs) um but i went there to do that uh actually made the team as a five foot nine hundred and eighty pound running back and then busted up my knee and so Mm. i realized since i probably wasn't going to play professional football at that point which it was probably you know debatable at at the beginning anyways um i ended up going i didn't know what i wanted to do in college and so i actually started out as a biology major mainly because I've always been interested in the ocean and all that and wanted to do marine biology but didn't have the specific. So started doing that, actually got involved with the advanced diving program at, at FSU, 
got involved with that. Still had no idea what I wanted to do in college. So I ended up doing becoming a poli-sci major um, and graduated with not stellar grades from there, uh, but started almost immediately, I think it was actually January 1st, 2000, maybe it's 2000, no, it would have been 2001 at SeaWorld working with uh, animals, and which was my dream job until the first day, and then I realized it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, so it was it was actually a horrendous job. Was it? I'm going to have to ask you about that separately, because I'm really curious about that. Yeah, well, the, the the simple thing is, is if, if it was oh gosh, I'm sorry, That's if okay. it was just working with animals, then wouldn't have been an issue at all. I would have loved it. Or if it was, you know, half working with animals and the rest, you know, preparing food and all that. Mm -hmm. But it was probably ninety to ninety five percent preparing food, fish, obviously, um, selling fish, and just basically. In the management wasn't wasn't great either. There was one really good manager, and the rest were not as not as good as you would have hoped. So, anyway, yeah, I, yeah. I, I understand it, that. Getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go <laughs> oh, into gosh. fish house, yeah, wow. three o'clock in the morning, go into fish house, um, and I got fish house I think four four thirty or whatever it was, um, and you were elbow deep in capelin. Uh, defrosting it, you couldn't feel anything, but you were getting spines all in your. Oh fingers. my gosh! Yeah, no, th this is this is first thing in the morning, and it's freezing cold, and you're walking into the freezer oh, to go get no. some salmon for the orcas and all that, and yeah, so and anyway, bad management. That's that's like the worst combination to have. Yes, that. yeah, no, no, no. It, it was, and then and then once you do all that, you find out that um, you are going to be selling fish for most of the rest of the day. You get about. 15 minutes, maybe a half an hour working with the animals. And then the rest of the day, you're selling fish out of a cup to customers who walk up to the window. Oh, I was like selling fish. Okay. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. No. So that's, that's okay. most of what the job was. Awesome. Um, but anyways. So you moved on from quickly. there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Realized pretty quickly that was not what I wanted to do. So I ended up going down to West Palm, got a job on a boat there and worked as a dive master for a while. Um, our grandmother died at the end of that year and or not the end of that year actually had a stroke at the end of that year moved back up to orlando so i kind of followed her back up here um got a job working in a dive shop and after about three years out of college decided actually i read the biography of john adams and it sounds kind of cheesy and all but he kind of inspired me to you know go to law school and all and so i ended up right. going to law school I uh, graduated from there after, well, I, in that meantime, in that three years in between, I became a dive instructor, so I was teaching diving. Um, went and went to law school. During that time, I also worked at, and still actually am at uh, Disney, although furloughed at the moment, um, as a mm -hmm. diver there. Uh, but in this, at, during that time period, I also went to law school and became an attorney, moved out to Hawaii, got a job at the University of, I'm trying to speed things up because it's a lot of stuff. It's but, a lot, yeah, you've had a Big experiences. Yeah, got a got a job at the University of Hawaii Dive Safety Office. Was probably if I could somehow make that job pay, that would have been my dream job. Mm. That was incredible. Um, and then got a job as a prosecutor on the Big Island out there. Um, and once my wife got pregnant with our son, we decided it was time to move back closer to home. And I have been in private practice ever since, while still doing the diving thing on the side. Um, yeah. I don't know what about that qualifies me to have an opinion on having this little <laughs> discourse. Well, I will tell you, actually, I also became a uh, 
a circuit civil certified mediator in Florida. So maybe that's the thing that helps me with the civil dif- discourse. But frankly, I think just being a human being certainly helps too. Definitely. So. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You have a lot of stuff that you've done. And it's, it's kind of one of the things I love about this and interviewing people is I'm learning things about people I've known my whole life that I never <laughs> even knew. <laughs> so that's always fun. Um, but what do you think are some people that you look up to? <sighs> like I, I throughout life, you know? This question. And yeah. the reason why is I like to look up to certain qualities in people. Mm-hmm. But with one exception, no one's ever been perfect. And for that reason, it's difficult. I, even people that I very much like, mm-hmm. like for instance, Bobby Bowden, greatest football coach ever. I know there's probably some disagreement with that. But anyways, greatest football coach ever. No, he was good. I think he was an incredible man, too. He, he made his mistakes. There's no question he made his mistakes. And yet he is an incredible person who, you know, live, has lived a, a wonderful life, influenced a huge number of people, done some phenomenal things. And yet there's, there's issues with, you know, I have some issues with some of the stuff he's done. And I know it goes the other way, too. I know that my kids look up to me, but man, there's some stuff I've done that I would not want them to read. <laughs> sure. I'm not perfect either. And so I, I think it's easier for me to answer that question by by naming a couple people and what I like about them and what I look up to them about, as opposed to saying that specific person is, is like the thing I look up to. They're the epitome of, of the person you want to be. So that you just take parts of each person. Correct. I kind of I think sometimes too, people's weaknesses and failures can also be something to look up to because you can see that they're not human and that they still succeeded in places in spite of their flaws. So it kind of take people as their whole, you know? Right. And and that makes sense. And, and, and that's kind of what I'm saying is there's yeah. the, like, for instance, um, with Bobby Bowden, I love the fact that he seemed to have his priorities in order, faith, family, football, and would go that way. The problem was that, that very, I think, accurate, structuring of your your the way you you look at life became a problem when he was at fsu when he hired his son jeff bowden Mm -hmm. and basically it was the downfall of his dynasty and that was because he put his faith first then he put his family first and then he put football and the family before the football thing when in most situations is a good thing in this situation caused that downfall and it showed that he's human as you said nobody's perfect um but I think what you can do is you can look at those things and acknowledge that no one is perfect. I'm not perfect. That he's not perfect. But I can say that, okay, here's the good things that he did. Here's the, here's the mistakes he made. And here's the things I can learn from. Because, I mean, the truth is you learn probably way more from mistakes than you do from or, – or, or, you know, things where people have messed up than you do the way they – when they do something the right way. Right. That's not to say that you can't learn – you know, for instance, from Steve Jobs and the way he built Apple and the way mm-hmm. he, you know, he wouldn't take no for an answer on things. And he's like, I want this done this way. But there's right. a lot of people who work for Steve Jobs who would be like, yeah, try <laughs> working for the guy. It wasn't, right. wasn't a lot of fun. And so I think that's, that's kind of how I look at it. And so like for someone like Steve Jobs, I look up to the fact that he had a vision. He pursued that vision. He would say, like, for instance, with the, with the iPhone, he would say, I do not like any of the phones out there. So instead of just complaining about it, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make what I want. 
which of course is what obviously millions of other people wanted as well. Um, and so I look up to that at him, but then I look at it and I go, okay, but the way he did it, is there another way around it? And maybe there isn't. And, and, and certain things, maybe there is only one way to do it or one way that's going to get that result. But I think it's at least worth questioning it and going, okay, he accomplished this. Is there another way to keep the good and get rid of the bad? Or do they come like kind of what you were saying? Do, do you have to have the whole person in order for this to actually, right. actually happen? interesting um, perspective yeah so anyway so yeah like him you know bobby bowden uh jocko wilnick i don't know if you know who he is but no a, i don't actually okay he is he is a navy seal who has a podcast if you ever get okay. the chance to listen to him he he is he's kind of the um warrior poet kind of thing he's not mm -hmm. not a poet but he's warrior philosopher would be a better way to do it okay you know he's had on people like um uh, Dan Crenshaw and Jordan Peterson and, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Joe Rogan and, uh, what's her name? Um, who's the Hawaii Senator, not Maisie Hirono, but the other one who ran for president. Um, you got me. Uh, I, I can't remember her name. Anyways, uh, Gif Gifford? No, I can't remember. Anyways, that's, that's not her, but the other, the other. What's the name of the podcast that he ran? What's the name of the podcast? Uh, if you just look on YouTube for Jocko Wilnick, you'll find it. He's okay. got like hundreds of podcasts, but I, I would definitely recommend it because he, he does a good job. It, it, it's kind of funny. One of the most interesting podcasts he did was with Jordan Peterson because Jordan Peterson obviously came up through uh, academia. He did mm -hmm. the, you know, all the education stuff and got to a certain place where he, you know, stand up straight and, and, and the, everything that he goes through. Jocko Wilnick got to the exact same place, but never had any of that formal academic teaching. He learned the almost like, I mean, if you look at him, it's almost identical, but he learned it through going through the SEAL teams and through, you know, through the hard knocks of war and all that. Right. And they get to the same place. And, and that was one of the most interesting ones I'd ever listened to because you could see how both of them got there, but they got there through completely different ways. And wow. so, um, you know, that was getting a little off track but that was one of the reasons i like jocko is because he, he didn't start out as a philosopher his philosophy came to him through the school of hard knocks it, it it came there because this is what he learned by continuing to do this and make mistakes and go through the process but you know stay alive yeah. that's, that's actually a, a topic i'm interested in too is um just researching the differences of how people become successful and how a lot of people put so much weight on college and education and academia like you said and how there's several cases like this one in particular you know that you're talking about where people just went a different route but still like you said ended up it's yeah. you know and, and so I think, yeah i think you can get there both ways yeah. it's just it's on the less person about, and, yeah. I mean, and there's and and the, the truth is there's a lot of people that have failed both ways too right yeah and so i think there's got to be the person underneath that's finding those lessons and actually learning from them and actually moving forward instead of you know well this happened to me and I, and, and that's kind of what each of them preaches look things are going to happen bad things happen to everybody it's a matter of the story you tell yourself yeah if you go this happened to me and there's nothing I can do about it. That's one thing. If the other thing is this happened to me and I can learn from it and I can either try and prevent this from happening or prepare better, you know, if, if it's something you can't prevent, like, you know, cancer or, mm -hmm. or you know, uh, an accident or something like that, you prepare yourself so that if it happens, you're in a better place and better able to, to deal with Cope it. Cope with so. it and deal. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, well, that's good. So today we're going to talk about kind of dive into social media more specifically, but the the diversive and unifying aspects of it. And so do you have, were you involved in any tech or digital stuff? Are you interested in that kind of thing or? um... I am involved very much as a layman in it. Yeah. Um, Just seeing it kind of, I, I will tell you, I will tell you this as an attorney, I'm involved in it by telling my clients to stop doing what you're doing, stop <laughs> posts and all that. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of, you know, generally it's more as a layman and just kind of watching what's happening. And, and I've, I've read a lot about it. And yeah. like one of the, the great um, books about it is, um, I think it was Jonathan Haidt and um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, I think Greg Lukianoff wrote a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Mm-hmm. where one of the things they talk about is social media, the effect it has on people, and, and more importantly, the effect it has on people at different ages, because right. it, there's, you know, they talk about the difference between the Gen Z versus the millennials and all that, and how there is a bright line that when you look at, you know, the graphs and of, of self-harm and um, anxiety and all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you can kind of see it almost exactly lining up with where people first encountered social media whether they encountered it in high school whether they encountered it in college like if you encounter it in college it's no big deal you you already have a you know you you already have coping mechanisms and ways to deal with people but if you encounter it in high school it tends to have a more um a, a worse effect on the person because they haven't formed all the other coping mechanisms that you normally do in life before getting to this new platform. That's interesting. Yeah, that's good. That would be a really good book to read. Um, So would you say that you share the perspective that social media is more divisive or more unifying? What do you see? (laughs) All right, I'm going to give the very attorney answer and say it depends. (laughs) It does does depend. I mean, I would agree. Um, Let me me tell you my both sides of it. Okay. On the one side, I stay in touch with people through Facebook that I haven't talked to maybe in 10 years, like in person, mm-hmm. but we chat on Facebook or, you know, comment or whatever, just like when I, you know, I was around them every day mm-hmm. and those relationships. So like, and in fact, there was a, a guy I hadn't spoken to in, goodness, it was college. Um, and we had been chatting on Facebook and, you know, he came to see me and, and frankly, it was like, we had never been apart. And so there's clearly something good there, some way to continue a connection that, you know, you can't get any other way. Right. I don't think there's any question there. That's the good part of it. And it's, it's, and I don't want to undermine it and say, ah, but you know, no, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really important part. It helps people who may not be able to get out, maybe mm-hmm. um, not able to, um, you know, go out and meet a whole bunch of people that, or, you know, or overseas or whatever, that they can still stay somewhat linked with those people. And, it, and it's a real link. I think the problem comes with people that you're meeting for the first time online. Because yeah. obviously there's some nastiness out there. Um, yes. And there's, I, I think the difference comes very easily between the two people. If you've got a friend who you know before you've ever met this person online, you know that, that that's a real person. And right. so you treat them like a real person even online when you're talking to them. 
But in the same way that if you're on a highway, a lot of people will cut someone off because they don't, and, and then they don't want to look at the person in the face because as soon as you do, it humanizes that person. Mm-hmm. Well, the internet is like one big highway where you never have to look at anybody's face. And so you can, you know, throw these shots across the bow that you just go, you would never do that in person. If you, if you saw this as a real person, there's no possible way you would do that in real life. Uh, a perfect example, um, my mother-in-law was on Facebook and commented on something. Uh, she's a Trump supporter. And so, you know, she made some comment about, you know, uh, I can't remember what it was. Something about, I think Biden said something about, you know, masks for the first hundred days. And she said, well, I've been wearing a mask. I've been very careful about it. But he says that I may just not wear a mask because of that. And this guy comments, and obviously the guy has no idea who she is. Um, I think he's in Montana or something like that. Comments and says, well, I hope he says to not drink bleach then. And I went, wow, like what? And I went and, you know, kind of looked at his profile and he looks like a good family man. He's got, you know, he's got a a young daughter and he's got a wife and, you know, most of his, he's, you know, he's an environmentalist and obviously on the other side of the political spectrum, but seemed like a very nice guy. You know, you see the stuff, the posts he's put and everything seemed like a very nice guy. And I'm just thinking, if you two were standing next to each other and having this conversation, Mm -hmm. is there any way that comment comes out? No. Or do you go, well, wait a second now. You would do that just because of this? I mean, what if he's right? You know, what if you, you would have a real conversation, not these pithy, you know, I hope you drink bleach and die. <laughs> like right. it is, it, it's one of those things where you just go, it's because you don't see the person as a human. It's the same thing on the highway. You don't want, you, you can cut someone off as long as you don't look at them in the face. As soon as you look at them and give them a thumbs up or say hi to them, there's no way you're cutting that person off now, right? Right. And I think, I think that's very much what it is. You look at the internet and it can become a highway of people. And, and I will tell you, there is, when I was younger, I was probably the typical male driver. <laughs> I wasn't as careful as I should have been. And one day I, I cut somebody off. And I found out because we pulled up to a light that it was one of my teachers. And oh my she gosh. Smiled at me and said, Hi, Michael. I was like, <laughs> Oh. And that made a big difference because I went, Oh my gosh. Every person I'm in front of, every person I'm around is is a person. Is an actual, yeah. Is an actual living, breathing human being. Yeah. And Yes, there was, you know, the idea of, well, I don't want to be in that situation or embarrassed again, but it was also that realistic, okay, you're not dealing with cars, you're not dealing with machines, you're dealing with the driver who is in the machine who is controlling that machine. Right. Um, And I think that's very much the way the internet works, is if you know someone personally, you know, you can have a good, solid, like, for instance, um, Dong Yu, I have conversations with her all the time on Facebook and we are on opposite sides of the political spectrum. Right. But we have really good conversations where we're, you know, giving each other evidence and we're, and and both of us know it's not mean spirited Mm -hmm. because none of us says something like, I hope you drink bleach and die. We're like, well, I think you're wrong about this because of this, this, this is well, I think you're wrong about this because this, but at the end of the day, we're smiling, you know, post a smiley face afterwards or whatever. I love having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. makes me think something like that. And that's a very different way to to have a discourse than it is you right. know, if you don't know the person. So do you feel and, like the anonymity of online chatting and, you know, like not knowing who people are is creating a social discord? Or do you think some people 
just lack the empathy to have civil conversations and just want to berate people. Like, I guess that would be a troll. And but do you right. think, <laughs> do you think well, that they I would have? I think it. I think it does open up that idea, but mm -hmm. the idea of a troll, so to speak, is, and I, I, I'll be honest, I don't really understand it. It seems like someone who is just kind of poking and trying to get a response. Um, but I think the other side of that is people a lot of times will not engage in discussions that they don't agree with. Simply, they'll just throw out, oh, you're a troll. I'm not going to deal with you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think it's, yes, there is no question the anonymity makes a big difference on that. Because if you've got anonymity, you don't have to look at the other person as a person, and you can turn them into a straw man. And one of the one of the things that I saw, um, I can't remember who it was, I saw a discussion, but it was someone who was on there and said, listen, if you're going to really get to the heart of an argument, if you want to really understand the other side, you cannot straw man their argument. You have to steel man their argument. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember who came up with that term. But the implication seems pretty obvious. It's what is the best version of their argument, not the easiest one to knock down. And people don't do that. It's right. so much easier to straw man an argument. I mean, if you take you know, any subject, I, immigration, mm -hmm. and if you are someone who supports um, putting a border wall up and someone says, you know, comes over, someone on the other side says, well, you, you, you know, you just hate these illegals. And then the person, if they're going to straw man the argument, says, well, you just want to let everybody in and, and take my money and, you know, it's all use our taxes. To, yeah. To, yeah. And there's good arguments on both sides, but neither side wants to really look at that, because mm -hmm. if you do that, you have to agree that there may be some flaws in your argument. Right. Of course, the problem with that, and this is what I this is one of the things I do at mediation is. I try and explain to the other folks because there's, there's two, actually there's three reasons you go to mediation when you're in a civil lawsuit. The first reason is because both sides genuinely want to settle the case. Um, the second reason is because um, they think, well, I don't know if we can or not, but it's worth a shot. And the third reason is because the judge orders you to and you're just there for that reason and that reason only. Um, the third reason, there's not much you can do. You try, but there, you know, if both sides just want to leave, then there's not much you can do. Mm -hmm. The first reason is actually pretty easy because both sides are there in you know, trying to get the thing resolved. But the second one is the most common one. It's, I don't think we have a way to settle this because I mean, that's why we'd be, be in litigation. We'd have already settled it. Um, but, you know, I guess there's always a chance, so I'm here. But as soon as those folks get to mediation... What they want to do is tell me their best case. And I and, and the first thing I always ask them is say, okay, tell me the other side's best case. They go, huh? They say, well, they just this. And I said, no, 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 that's their worst case. Tell me what their best case is. If you're, if you're the attorney representing, what is their best case? And I make both sides do this. And without a doubt, the side that tends to be able to tell me what the other side's best case is mm -hmm. has a much better grip on the case a much better grip as to what the most likely scenario is for resolution and frankly probably would win the case or at least has a better chance of winning the case when they go to trial because you are better prepared to you know to deal with that to other defend, stuff so even yeah. if you're not planning on settling the case right knowing the other side's best argument will help your argument it helps sharpen your argument absolutely and yeah. so yeah and so steel manning is a 
I think if more people tried to do that and just really tried to see the other side of the argument mm-hmm. um, and the best, not, not just the other side. And I, I, I want to be careful about that because seeing the other side of the argument, you can do the straw man thing and go, Oh yeah, you know, this is whatever. Um, but seeing yeah. the best side of the argument That's will not point. only help your argument and, and kind of sharpen your argument, but also will help you see the other person as a person and say, okay, I can see why they argue. I still don't agree with it, mm-hmm. but I can at least see why they're, why they're going that way. Uh, and you see very, very little of that on online. I think part of the reason, well, there's two reasons for that. Part of the reason for that is because most people won't read more than a sentence, maybe two. I mean, that, maybe that's Twitter's fault. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's just who we are. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Twitter, it, it, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Whether Twitter tapped into what we naturally are or whether Twitter created it, I don't know. Probably But the fact is, it's, it's like that regardless. Yeah. And, and that creates a problem because you can't put nuance in, you know, two sentences. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And most of these arguments have some nuance. So um, the second reason, and this one's a little bit tougher. The second reason is because of trust. Most people don't trust the platform whether they don't trust the platform because they're allowing stuff on there that shouldn't be on there or they don't trust the platform because the platform's taking stuff off that shouldn't or they don't trust the platform because they're allowing people on there that shouldn't be or you know taking people off that shouldn't be um i don't think facebook and twitter understand the damage they're doing because if you take facebook twitter you know whoever is I don't think they understand the damage they're doing because if you take away some arguments from one side, then what you have done is, well, you've done two things. Um, Number one, let's say you've got some white supremacist on there who's spouting nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't let them on there and let everybody see who that is, they're still going to be a white supremacist. Right. They're still going to do that. They're just going to be in the background. Um, instead of, and, and, you know, do stuff in other ways that may be more harmful instead of letting that out there and everybody engaging with them and saying, Hey, look, maybe that doesn't make any sense for this reason or that reason. There's a guy, and I, I wish I could remember his name, but he was a guy who actually is a, it was a black man who went and engaged with the clan and actually went to clan rallies and sat down and ate with these guys who were in the clan and actually changed their mind. Wow. And you sit there and you go, if he could change their mind, why? Why so easily? And it was very simple. I mean, the guys would tell him, look, I've never, never known a black man. I've only known what's been told to me, right. you know, on that. And so I think engagement is always going to be a better, yeah. better. And, and maybe, maybe I'm kind of libertarian minded in that, in that sense, but I just think that the idea of more sunshine, not less, is always going to do that. And and the more you keep people from, or you know, prevent people from talking, right? The more when something finally does come out, it's just gonna it's just gonna explode. And so instead of having civil discussions, instead of having nuance, if you're keeping people from saying something, then you end up having you know the bubble effect, you, you shouting matches. Yeah, yeah, you have that bubble effect where you're kept in your bubble, and then when something happens that's outside your bubble you're it's shocking to you and it becomes like worse than it actually is because if you haven't been exposed to it so right i mean one of the worst things that can happen is you i don't know if you saw but after the election 
apps like Parler and, mm-hmm. and there were a couple other ones I can't remember shot up in usership. Yes. Because of you know the the censoring of of some of that stuff, and in doing so, what you're doing is you're taking people who are engaging with each other and basically saying no, you can't talk here. Well, you've just taken a a platform where everyone can kind of talk together mm-hmm. and separated it into their own two camps. Right. There's no way that's going to end up well. No. <laughs> that, that, that can't end well. And I, I just, it, it seems like something that is going to get worse because then when they finally do engage, because there will come a point where those folks will eventually engage, whether it's on a college campus, whether it's in a store, whether it's in a business, um, you know, whatever, eventually it's going to happen and they're going to be so diametrically opposed because neither side has ever heard the other side's argument that there's going to be an explosion. Right. And that is the worst possible situation. And yet that, that seems to be where we're going. And so, right. yeah, I mean, I know we started this with me saying, yeah, it's really good. Facebook <laughs> and all that. Is, well, it's true. There, there, is, there are benefits. So, there's pros and cons. Yeah, I, I think there's a bunch of opportunity there, but unfortunately there is also that, that problem. Right. Well, let me ask you this. So do you think that having conversations online and, and obviously if they're done poorly, they'll result in a poor discussion and, you know, discourse, but do you think that it ever brings out a truth that is otherwise disguised, you know, having that anonymity to be able to feel like you can say what you want to say without social persecution in person, you know, is beneficial ever? Yes. That's a good question. Um, I'm going to say what no one says online. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I don't I don't know. I, and, and I think, and maybe, um, I'd have to think about that. Okay. I, I don't like the idea of anonymity, but I understand the argument for it. Right. And okay. I think that, I think you're right there, that there's certain things like social pressures will keep people from being honest. Um, but maybe the focus should be more on less or, or less on, um, anonymity and more on convincing people to be honest and let the chips fall where they may. And maybe that's what we're missing is we're missing more of the honesty. And, And I don't, I don't think that unlike censorship, which literally prevents people from speaking, I don't think requiring people to put their actual names out there um, will prevent them, maybe at first. At first, I think, you know, they would be very careful about what they said, but maybe that's not a bad thing either. Maybe you have to think more about the way you say something. Right. And 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 that's not necessarily a bad thing because if you're, if, there's a reason social pressures exist. Mm-hmm. And if you instead, right, you can see I've kind of, you're working I, I found, it in I think, your my head. train of thought on yeah. this. Um, I didn't know at first, but I think I found my train of thought there you on go. this. Um, I, I think if you have a, a position you want to take and you know that it's not socially acceptable, I think you're still going to get it out there, but you're going to take a lot more time. You're going to think it through. You're going to say, okay, why isn't this socially acceptable? Is it a good reason? Is it a bad reason? If I put this out here, what are the implications of this? And if you still think it's important enough, you're going to put it out there. You're just going to put a whole lot more thought into it because you understand that there might be implications mm-hmm. of it. 
Um, you and might so think actually, twice. I, you might, you might yeah, think. I, you know what? I, I think I've convinced myself that <laughs> no, I, I don't think anonymity ends up being a good thing. Okay, good. I have a um, kind of the opposite a little bit of that is, do you find these online debates that maybe are teetering on becoming abusive or, or you know, destructive, do you think that's creating less compassion and poor behavior in their real lives and in, in their interactions with people um, in person? No. And I, I, I think people really compartmentalize this stuff. And the reason I say that is I have, I know people and I, well, I don't know people. I, I have people that are friends of mine who I have seen get in some knockdown drag out fights with other people that I know as well. In fact, I'm thinking of two right now. I'm not going to name them, but mm-hmm. I have seen them fight like, I mean, just say some brutal stuff online to each other. But then when they're in the same room together, it's like it never happened. And they're just, <laughs> you know, give each other a hug. I mean, they may say something, ah, yeah, whatever, you know, give each other a hug or something like that. Uh-huh. But it's not the same. And these are, and this isn't even, this isn't even the, quite the situation you talked about how you know if they treat you know the same people or or different people differently because Mm -hmm. that this is the same people and they treat each other differently online than they do in person so do you think there's one truth over another or do you think they're both true representations they're just in different contexts i mean which ones well i don't i don't know if i'd say truth versus you know untruth i think what it is is there's a lot of people who say, oh, you should just say, you know, the truth, the whole truth thing, or the brutal truth I've heard. Mm-hmm. Telling someone the brutal truth is not necessarily telling them the truth because it's not going to accomplish anything. It's not going to do anything. And mm-hmm. so when I say there's a difference between the truth and the brutal truth, for instance, if my wife cooks a dinner and it's terrible and I lie about it and I say, Oh, that was great. That was wonderful. It was such a good, you know, I'm going to get that like a few more. Now, <laughs> my wife is a wonderful cook, so this has never happened. Of course not. No. But I'm just saying. <laughs> she listens to this. Um, but no, if I lie about it, I'm going to get that again. Sure. On the other hand, if I say, that was crap. Don't ever make me that again. I'm probably not going to get anything the next night, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if I say, thank you so much for dinner. This was wonderful. Um, I appreciate the fact that you cooked for me. And she goes, well, do you like it? I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I love whatever. The, the burritos you make, this might not have been my favorite, but I really appreciate you making it for me. That is still the truth. Yeah. And it is a much more effective truth than the quote unquote brutal truth. And it's a lot more effective than a lie. Right. And so I think with online, you may get a, quote unquote, version of the brutal truth, whereas in person, you get, I guess I would say a more effective truth. Mm-hmm. A, you, you get the real thing where, you know, you're still saying this because the two guys I was talking about, they don't haven't changed their positions one iota when they're in person, but they can have a much more civil discussion than they can, you know, behind keyboards right? when they're looking each other in the eye. So, um, and that's kind of the, the goal and, and the problem with it is a lot of this isn't productive. It doesn't change anything. It's like people right. who complain and complain and complain, but don't have a, a recommendation or a solution to change whatever they're complaining about. 
So yes. yeah, it's a, it, that's a good point. Um, what do you feel about, like you were saying, how um, with the whole changing anonymity to becoming, um, you know, real names or like less anonymity, um, and then them saying things, and like we've seen through media and whatever that there's this cancel culture coming on where they're coming back and throwing things that people have said from the past. How do you feel about cancel culture? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? I'm assuming I know the answer, but. Uh, yes, no, I, I don't agree with it. Um, but, and this is, this is the caveat to that. That does not mean there's no consequences for anything you said, but here, here's where, here's where I significantly disagree with cancel culture. Because this cancel culture thing is, you can apologize, you can say you're sorry, you can show contrition, it makes no difference at all. Right. And if it makes no difference, then why the heck would anyone ever apologize? I've never understood that. That is how you get to a, a president who is not willing to apologize for anything. And I'm not, like, denigrating him or anything, I'm just saying that's what he said. Like, he, he has said, I don't need to ask forgiveness for anything, I don't need to apologize for anything. And I think the very reason for that is because if there's no advantage to apologizing, if there's no, because almost all the people that get quote unquote canceled have apologized and still get canceled. Mm -hmm. If we don't allow for redemption, if we don't allow for people to, you know, say, look, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let's, let's, you know, I didn't, I was young. I was stupid. I mean, I, I saw one the other day. It was, I think it was maybe a football player or something who had said something or had been, you know, was accused of being a bully in middle school. And no one says he's like that now. I mean, it's one thing if they're saying, oh, he still is. But no one was accusing him of that now. He was a bully in middle school. And you go, okay, think back to middle school. Mm -hmm. Raise your hand if, if, if you want to defend every decision you made in middle school. Like, I just, that's the thing that just drives me nuts is... You can't constantly go back 10, 20, 30 years and say, oh, this person should be crucified because of something they did back then. And I, I get the I get the, the juxtaposition you're getting with the if you can't be anonymous, then that lives forever. And I, that is a problem because when you and I were, you know, in high school and college, well, maybe not college, yeah, I guess college kind of sort of college is kind of the start of it, but definitely in, in high school um, and elementary school. There was no real internet. There certainly was no real social media. And if we did something stupid, maybe a couple of our friends know about it. But it's in the past. And it's it's back there. And we don't have to defend it every day. We don't have to apologize for it or anything like that. And I do feel for the kids these days that are on social media because there is a 100% guarantee they're going to say something that someone is going to disagree with and someone is going to be offended by like that that's a 100 percent guarantee because if you are on social media talking it's going to happen mm -hmm. um and if that's true then and the internet never dies then yeah i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is except as a country and this is i hate doing platitudes because this is it doesn't it doesn't get us anywhere right but i'm going to do a platitude right now anyways <laughs> Um, as a country, we need to be more forgiving, more understanding, and and more ready to understand that people are disagreeing with us, and that's okay. Like it's not. I I, I, I do not understand this mentality of 
if you disagree with me, you're a bad person. Well, maybe we even, and, and the funny part is, is most of the things that most of the country disagrees on is not the end result. They just disagree on how to get there. And it's, it strikes me as just the weirdest thing in the world that people would say, you disagree with me, even though we disagree on the, the final result, you disagree with me on where we're, on how we get there, and therefore you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it doesn't, I've tried, I've really tried to understand it, and I, I think I kind of do, but if I'm being honest, not really. It's a huge leap, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's true. So do you think, I mean, I've re- I read a statistic, sorry, I read a statistic somewhere that said, um, the percentage of the population of the world who's actually on social media but do you think that social media has a major impact on the world and how it develops or do you feel like it's just a poor sense of reality a small majority of the world and doesn't really have that much of an impact well i i actually don't know how much of the world outside the united states is on it i got a i got an idea as to how much it is inside the united states well the statistics i think said it was around like 45 percent of the world population is on social media wow which yeah and see and, well and i think there are some things that social media could be good for um for instance if you remember in iran when the uh protests were happening the only way anybody was getting any information out of there was through twitter mm-hmm. and so i think those are the way and, and hong kong uh same kind of stuff when the protests were happening it was social media that was getting all that information out it wasn't mainly wasn't reporters. It wasn't, you know, independent, or it wasn't, uh, you know, CNN and MSNBC and all that sending reporters over there. It was mainly social media. And so I do think it can have an impact. I think it have a good impact on the world. Um, I think it can also have a bad, I, I think in terms of a global sense, it, it can have a good impact on the world mm-hmm. over, like if we're talking about big events, but in individual person to person and everyday interactions, Mm-hmm. I, I think it can go both ways because I've I've seen, you know, like on Twitter and on Facebook and everything, people from different countries talking. And I've gotten in a lot of discussions with people. And, and one of the reasons I get into those discussions is I'm trying to kind of help this discourse. And so, sure. you know, someone, you know, says something, calls me an ist, some one of the ist, racist, mm-hmm. sexist, whatever it is, you know, instead of just flying off the handle and responding back, I try and engage them in discussions. Well, tell me, tell me why, tell me why you think that, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is it that I said or what, you know, whatever. And almost every one of those conversations ends pretty well. Like with, you know, we may not end up agreeing at the, sometimes we do end up agreeing, but we may not end up agreeing at the end, but it doesn't, it doesn't end the way it starts. And so I think that's always a possibility. And I've seen certain interactions where that that's happened. Um, I, I don't know that it happens more than the other way. I, I think it's much more likely for there to be a fight and the fight just, you know, gets into name calling. And once you get into name calling, you know, what's the point in going past further than that? If both sides are calling the other one names, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just right. that is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I think there's also a lot of people out there. Um, for instance, Brett Weinstein, or Weinstein, um, Eric Weinstein, uh, Joe Rogan, um, what's his name? Sam Harris, uh, the intellectual dark web guys, mm-hmm. uh, guys and girls actually, because Christine Summers, Christine Hoff Summers, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there on both sides of the aisle 
who disagree profusely on huge issues, like really big, economic, social, all that kind of issues. But the one issue they tend to agree on, and which is why they've kind of come together, is they agree, number one, on free speech, that it the Overton window should be very, very large. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, they agree on the idea that if we're civil in our discourse, we're going to get a lot farther in convincing each other of you know our sides than we're ever going to get just by yelling at each other and calling each other names. Right. And there's some brilliant guys and brilliant women in that that come together and talk about this stuff. And and I love listening to them because you can actually learn something from both sides. I mean, I, there's positions I've changed that I've been like, wow, I kind of was on the other side of this, but eh, I can sort of see that argument because they weren't yelling. They were having a discussion. And so um, it is possible and it is out there. It's just a matter of you got to look for it. Right. And unfortunately, it's harder and harder to look for it because of, you know, the way the platforms operate. Mm-hmm. They they you aren't rewarded for civil discussions. You're rewarded right. via the logarithms for, you know, slamming someone else or for crushing someone else. That's that's what gets the that's what the logarithm is like. Right. And unfortunately that's that means that's what's rewarded and that's what gets gets put up to the top. Right. So I have to I have there's two questions I grabbed from what you were talking about. Um they're kind of separate. So I'll start with this one. Um do you think that it's important for people to um, try to engage in, you know, difficult discussions and try to do it civilly to maybe create more of that civility? Or do you feel like it's okay or, or um, even beneficial to just respond, you know, kindly or just abstain completely from these debates online and just take it to in person? Or do you think that there is some importance in trying to create civil discussions online actively i think there's vast importance in trying to have civil discussions online and i I think and that's why i do it it's it's much easier to just say i'm not even gonna Mm -hmm. not even gonna respond to that i I think it's much harder to get in there and try and have that civil discussion. and i think part of it goes back to when you're asking about the anonymity thing because i'm not anonymous online i Mm -hmm. I clearly it has my name and everything and so I want to be really careful about the way I say something. I want to be really careful about making sure I'm not intentionally offending someone. I may be offending them by asking them a hard question, but I'm not doing it for the purpose of offending. I'm doing it for the purpose of, you know, if I'm asking them a hard question, I'm doing it for the purpose of digging and finding out an answer and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think it's really important because if you don't, the only thing that's left is the bad and it kind of reminds me of a john adams quote you know i was said i run, read the thing mm-hmm. and i can't remember the quote exactly but something to the effect of you know someone had asked him you know why why have you spent so much time in public office and he said because you know if good and honest men don't then there's only another that, you know, then the other option is going to be an I, I wish i could remember the quote it was much more eloquent than what i said yeah. but the, the point is if you don't have the good discussions. The only thing that's left is the bad. Yes, that makes sense. And there's got to be that other option. And it's harder to do the other option. Doing the doing the right thing is usually a lot harder than doing, you mm-hmm. know, doing the other way. So, yeah, I do think if – I do think people who are willing to have a civil discussion 
need to be more than willing. They need to actually engage because if they don't, then that's all you've got left is, is the, the junk. Right. Okay. Well, my other question that I, I was thinking of is um, you were just, you were talking about free speech and how a lot of the platforms um, try to discourage that or censor that or um, whatever. And so first part of this question is, do you find that there's a certain platform that um, is worse than the others, like over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And then secondly, do you feel like there needs to be um, more of a public domain for, for conversation? Maybe something like Wikipedia or something where it's more controlled by people rather than a certain, um, you know, industry that has that much control, I guess. Um, what do you feel yeah. about that? Well, and this is this is the clash between my free market principles and mm-hmm. my, um, I guess, my free speech principles. I don't. You you asked it in a good way because you you didn't leave me an easy out. If you had said, and I'm going to straw man this for a second, just because <laughs> it's an easy out, then I'll deal with the steel man. Okay. The straw man is should the government be the one regulating it, and that's an easy answer. That's, that's no. A no. Yes. Um, but you didn't ask that. You asked the harder question, <laughs> which is, should private companies be doing this or should it be more of a conglomerate of, you know, the, the internet together kind of working on that kind of like Wikipedia? Um, I think I have to fall back on the free market principles and say, maybe that's coming. And the, re- the reason I say that is you have, you already have things like people that don't like banks, use uh credit unions because they're members of them and they have more control over them and all that um people don't like health insurance companies have things like um what's it called metashare and and there's a couple other you know conglomerates of basically uh, it's sort of like a credit union where the members are the ones who are the owners of it Mm -hmm. i could very much see that happening with um the internet you know coming up with a site like that but the problem with it is it's got to start somewhere. And Wikipedia started way back in the early days of the internet, and it was easy to bring something like that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it was just information. It was just, let's just put information. And it was, you know, um, it's got people who, you know, work as the editors and all that. And it, It's a little bit easier to do than something like Twitter or something like Parler or something like, you know, one of the, or Facebook or something like that, because those require two things. Number one, they require an infrastructure to start because there's got to be a way, if you're going to have something like Twitter, you've got to have someone create the code. It can't just be a bunch of people together. Mm -hmm. Like for the Wikipedia thing, it was really simple. It was, look, I'm just going to basically host this stuff and you guys kind of work on it. Now it's gotten a little more involved since then, but it kind of grew organically. It would be much more difficult to do that with something that needs an infrastructure that, you know, is actually cross-referencing people and all that. You, you've got to actually have some programmers who get together and do that. Now, let's say you did that. You then have to pull, you know, pull share community or uh, um, market share away from Twitter and Facebook to get it there because if if you could have you know the greatest platform online that literally says we're going to follow you know the first amendment principles and the only thing we take off are things that violate the first amendment you know all that you could have that but if nobody's on it then it doesn't 
really work and you can't force people to go on it. So you've got to provide that thing. And, and maybe if you do provide it, maybe that's what these other ones are doing. Um, but again, I kind of worry that it will divvy up into tribes. And I, unfortunately, I think that's where we're going right now mm -hmm. is separating into our own tribes, which of course defeats the whole purpose. Right. If you don't have each side talking to each other, then you just got this echo chamber and it's just going in a circle and no one's learning anything and everybody's getting farther apart until they actually collide in, in real life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I'd love to say there's a great answer there, but again, I'm going to do what doesn't happen very often on the internet and say, I, I don't really know what the answer to that is. Well, that's just as good of an answer. I mean, you don't want to say something and be, you know, just talking out of your butt. So yeah. <laughs> that's helpful. That's true. That happens a lot <laughs> on the internet, no doubt. It's true. It's, it's, it's a more mature answer to say, I don't know when you don't know. I mean, that's, that's honesty. So that's good. Yeah. But to piggyback off of that, if you could have it your way, how would you change social media for the better? Or how would you construct it? Oh, man. Um, I construct it. I, I think, and, and this, of course, is easy for me to say since I am not a programmer. I'm not backing, you know, I'm not putting the money up to start something. I don't have to make any money doing it or anything like that. But I would, I would basically, you know, go to Twitter and this is if I was king, not if I was living in the United States. Very, very different scenario. But if I was that, I would go to Twitter and say, look, First Amendment principles apply. Leave it at that. If something is a threat or something like that, you can take it off. Um, you can, you know, block obscene stuff uh, behind, a, you know, a wall or whatever. You know, you got a click wall or something like that. Mm -hmm. But everything else kind of stays and let the market decide what works. Um but I, I don't I don't know that it's it's kind of that old thing of what would you know what would you do if you were king of the world mm -hmm. and it's pressure big pressure it, it is but I I think it's I think it's a little arrogant if I if I say that though because it discounts all the work that has gone into that and everything that's come before that and very true and I just I don't know that I don't know that there, that's the answer I don't know that it's a single person answer. I think it is something that a whole lot of people have to chime in on to do this yeah. because it's just not something that a single person should be deciding. And I think that's a good thing. And I think the more, the more options you can have, the better. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you gave a good if, answer. If I was king of the world, that's what I do. But yeah. I, I don't know that even that's, that's a great answer. I think it was a great answer. You know, you gave, you gave it enough room to grow and but also to sort of modify what's already been created. So, yeah, that's really nice. Um, so our last question on social media, is there any advice that you would give young kids just breaching the social media world outside of parental controls, how to manage it on their own? Oh, how young? Um, let's go with like high school. Yeah, stay off. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good <laughs> Don't advice. get on social media until until you graduate from high school. Do not touch social <laughs> media. Like that's that would be my advice. And if you do. Don't post anything except pictures of your dog Aww. or cat. Very nice. <laughs> good answer. OK, so just rounding things out. 2020 has been a crazy year. Can you give us some form of an entertainment or activity that got you through 2020? Oh man, um, diving and running and, 
you know, kayaking and um, playing football. And you, you'll notice there's a common Stay, theme. Staying None of active. These be done inside a house. <laughs> getting out, staying active. Very good. Yep, getting out and staying active. And, and frankly, it doesn't feel that different when you do that. Because if you're out on the ocean, you're out on the ocean, you know, you're not around a whole bunch of people. Like the only time that I got really, really frustrated with everything was when they closed the boat ramps down in West Palm, oh. when I couldn't take the boat out, which I just thought was the dumbest <laughs> thing. I, I just couldn't. That was the absolute dumbest part of this year. Yeah. Because you're trying to get people to separate and yet you close down boat ramps and beaches to keep everybody in one little area. Yes. That- I think that probably made everything way worse because <laughs> as soon as they opened that up, people started spreading out again. It's like yeah. the one thing you don't want in a pandemic is everybody getting together. And yet you closed off all the ways that people could spread out. That's so, so true. Okay. Well, at least they, they did it now. You can do it now. And yes, make it yes. Out there. We can go out now. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Well, thank you so much for talking. I loved our discussion. I thought you did a really good job and I learned a lot. So (laughs) yeah, you got, you got a reading list now. I do. Yeah. I love that. I actually (laughs) do. I've written them all down. I'm excited to read some of them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. It was my pleasure. Talk to you later. All right. As promised, I have some contact in for you before we go. Um, you can always email me at newviewspod at gmail.com, but the best hub for everything is the New Views Podcast Instagram account. You can just search that up um, on the app, and there you can DM me with questions if you have any for me um, about the podcast or for any of the guests that were on, like Michael. And you can check out the stories, answer questions that I ask, interact with prompts, polls, leave comments on episode posts if you want to maybe continue the discussion with your peers. Um, But always please, please, please be respectful, curious, open-minded, kind-hearted, you know, just be a good human, please. And uh, most of all, be empathetic. Thank you so much for your time and your curiosity today, and I love you all. Stay well and be swell. (laughs) Bye.